Hi, this is Eric Y. Chen, host of the Y Factor podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs, CEOs, and individuals on how they got started in their business. I take a deep dive to understand their journey through life, uncovering their purpose, and most importantly, discussing their whys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. here Steve Odell, CEO and co-founder of Tenzo T. Welcome to the Y Factor podcast. Happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So pretty much to start off, uh, what Steve usually does when people come and visit or um, come and talk, he will actually share and pour a matcha shot uh, for the guests. So just to start off our podcast here, um, as a matcha drinker, we are going to take a matcha shot as well. So cheers. Cheers. Oh, thank you. Okay, so pretty much to start off, like you can explain and tell people like, you know, what do you do? What in the world is matcha? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tenzo Tea is a company just uh, started off. Yeah. So Tenzo Tea is a matcha green tea brand. Uh, we're based in Los Angeles, California. Um, we sell matcha green tea, which is the healthiest energy on the planet. Um, and it's literally just powdered green tea. You can mix it into smoothies, make it into a shot, mix it with water, make a latte. So many things you can do with it. Well, I don't think it's just powder because I know you and your team have gone out all the way to Japan to source the best quality stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a term for it um, that you guys have. Yeah, it's called the ceremonial grade. Um, so we have like that, the highest grade matcha you can get. And um Kind of like you mentioned, we did go to Japan. We visited a bunch of different farmers, picked um, some really, really great farms at the foothills of a volcano. So it's really like nutrient-rich soil. Yeah. And then um, it's all hand-picked, which is really good. And then it's stone-grounded into a powder um, that you guys see today and that we just had a shot of. Yeah. Well, perfect. I mean, the whole whole thing about matcha, it's definitely like a huge movement today in terms of a healthier energy source. Uh, of what people can drink, uh, especially as an alternative to to coffee, right? So I actually never really drank matcha um, until I met you guys, really, uh, which is why I did want to talk to you, especially about your story and how you've been building this company and the brand alongside your team and what makes it so special. Uh, Can you give us your background of like, you know, how you even started this matcha business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in college, I was at UCLA, and I wasn't like a great student, per se. And how do you define not great of a student? Um, <laughs> if attendance wasn't mandatory and a part of the grade, I would never go to class. And I, I did all right, didn't fail any classes, you know, and um, I was always learning. And so that was the kind of the weird part is I was always in the library, but I wasn't um, ever going to class. And I loved reading and learning and internet stuff. And so I got an entrepreneurship in college, started a few companies. Some are sort of successful. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them really sucked. But then during school, I learned a lot about like I, when I wasn't going to class, I was programming and building websites. And I learned a lot about the internet. And, so you're, um, you're self-teaching yourself other things just outside of your curriculum for school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like so rigorous learning is what I like to call it. Um, and I was learning a lot. I learned a bunch of different programming languages, came really proficient in the web, um, and then started making websites, was selling portable chargers online, started a printing company, um, started like an odd jobs company, 
that was like the first ever like real business and that's still running today in New York. My cousins mm-hmm. run that. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so it's like four years ago now. And then um, halfway through my senior year, I dropped out of school and moved down to my buddy's couch. Um, that buddy is my co-founder now, Rob Page. And one day I literally Googled what's the healthiest form of energy after mm-hmm. chugging like 10 Red Bulls and six cold brews. You mean in terms like working on your own businesses? Yeah, so I was just working on businesses, building websites, selling things online, and just, just reading just books. Spending a lot of time staying up late and just yeah. trying, to, trying to keep up with 20 it. hours a day, every yeah. day. Like nothing, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to parties, like nothing. And this is even during school too. Yeah, this is the whole time. Probably I would say around January 2016. I got super intense in entrepreneurship and really started focusing. Three more months of school went by. I was taking like a max credit load, like 20 plus units at UCLA, which is on a quarter schedule. So they're all condensed already. Yeah. And then um, that was fine. And I was running several online companies. And I was just so like, then, so then that, doing? so that led you into trying to figure out like, what is a healthier energy um, as opposed to drinking coffee. things like yeah, exactly. your coffee or energy drinks. <clears throat> so then that's what you just searched. Yeah, I just literally Googled it. What's the healthiest form of energy on the planet? Uh, so then how did you take that and then decide like, well, if I'm going to be drinking this, let me just start my own company around it? Or how did you decide on Yeah, well, that? I I learned a lot from my prior businesses and to like go back on some of the things I built. One was an on-demand printing company. Mm-hmm. Like like you would deliver a paper to your professor or whatever. Or yeah, if you needed something to print, didn't have a printer. You know, genius, right? Yeah. Anyway, the the point of that was like you don't want to be moving towards printing when the world's like going digital. Mm-hmm. And so the lesson was like make a business that's aligned with the way the world is moving and working. And so I personally believe in like something that you just kind of mentioned briefly that people want healthy, clean energy. And mm-hmm. uh, we don't need to drink five hours of Red Bull or pre workout. We can just have matcha. Um, and so I saw that. And then I looked at Google Trends for like a more data like kind of based decision here. And the, the graph was up and to the right. And for everyone who doesn't know, Google Trends uh, displays aggregate search data. So you can kind of identify trends um, of things in products or markets and take advantage of that. Um, so did that and then tried it out, liked it. And uh, the rest is history. Shopify was on Shopify a few minutes later. And just and, started your own store. So yep. did it did it start out with you guys just saying, hey, we need to go to Japan and, and find this? Or you guys no, no. bootstrapped it with some other suppliers? At, at yeah, point? we were bootstrapped in the beginning. We're like broke. I was like dead broke. Like I was eating potatoes for like every single meal. I had like zero dollars. <laughs> like any dollars that I was making, I would spend on like testing ads or like trying to start something, you know, just like fooling around learning. And um from there, we bought like 10 units from this guy, private labeling in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then um, then we bought like 50 units and then like 100. And and you guys just kept selling out? Yeah. And, selling out. Yep. And then we got a small loan. So we were at 60K in a loan after doing that for several months. And that kind of was like our start. Yeah. Wait, so then, I mean, I guess we missed the transition, obviously, in terms of like the deciding factor where I guess one of the most crazy points of your life was to decide and drop out of UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually dropped out of school before Tenzo even began. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. 
Um, but you were halfway through your senior year already. Like, yeah. why not just make that decision? It's like, well, I only have a quarter and a half left or two quarters left. And I've already, you know, put in all this money into my education. And if I remember you in a previous conversation telling me like you and Rob were the first people out of your hometown or small mm-hmm. hometown to even go to UCLA. to UCLA. Yeah, I mean, the decision was basically that I wanted to follow like, what I was doing and I, my life like just wasn't that aligned and I didn't want to wait a few more months to kind of just get something that didn't really matter. And I felt that like I was spending a lot of money to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see any reason to do that and take on more debt than I could do and learn on my own. But you don't think, especially in in terms of how society works or how the world works, where you need a bachelor's degree to even get a job. Um, you didn't want to complete that. And it, just in case that if, you know, all these entrepreneurial pursuits back in the day may or may not have worked out and for you to, you know, go to a corporate job, like I'm sure as a UCLA, if you were a UCLA graduate, you could have picked up a, a pretty good job coming out mm-hmm. of school, right? Mm-hmm. So like, how did you decide? Like, yeah, I mean, the things I- you're working on were more important. I, so I like the things that I do are all to like put myself in a position to give more mm-hmm. and that comes in the forms of like tens of donations or being a, like a philanthropist when you're older, trying to help the world out in some way, you know? And so I try to put myself in a position like that and I didn't believe that getting a corporate job would help me do that. I wanted to learn and grow as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just felt kind of bogged down by the system and getting out of that was like very freeing. And also it puts a pressure on, you know, like I really believe in anti-fragility. Mm. And if you overcome stress and strain, you get a lot stronger. And, and what is that term? Anti-fragility. So it means like you can identify situations, people, any, pretty much anything mm-hmm. as one of three things. They're either fragile, which means they get exposed to stress and they break. So like a glass, if you mm. hit a glass with a hammer, it's going to break. Um, and then there are things that are robust, meaning they get exposed to stress and they stay the same, maybe they get slightly weaker, but not really too much. Mm-hmm. So that's like a, a cinder block. So if you hit a cinder block with a hammer, it's not gonna break. You can withstand it yeah. a few times. Yep. And then there are things that are anti-fragile, which means you expose them to stress and they get stronger. So you're talking about like the process of creating a diamond, for instance, with... Sure, or something as simple as lifting weights. Yeah. You go to the gym, you expose your arms to stress of a, let's say a bench press of 150 pounds, more than you've ever done. Mm-hmm. And you do that, and then you go back to the gym the next day, and your body's stronger. Now it can do 155. Mm -hmm. And so all you did was expose it to stress, and it got stronger, you know? And it's like recognizing situations where things get stronger from stress is really important. And I believe that, like, humans as individuals are very much so anti-fragile. In terms of most things, especially within the practice of pursuing something like a business and building mm-hmm. that out and putting yourself in an environment to put that pressure on you and like not having school or not having your bachelor's degree, like that kind of stress. Yep. So you're saying you would put yourself more into these um, environments or self-create these scenarios for you to keep putting pressure on yourself. It's not like I'm trying to forcibly do that. Yeah. More so, I'm not afraid. Uh, other people would see that as, oh, this is a terrible stress. You can't get a job without a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. How are you going to like afford to live? Like All these things. There's a lot of negatives. So that, that gets people really scared. But I, I took it as, oh, all those things are really just going to make me smarter, more disciplined, more efficient, uh, and put me in a position to meet more people and learn more. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that. I saw that as a, as like a golden opportunity. Yeah. And I, I think I, I can completely agree with that because 
I myself have never been that great of a public speaker growing up, but uh, even in high school, I decided to take on the role of um, you know being on the mic and going like being the one to talk at the school assemblies and and the rallies, the school rallies, and even during lunchtime to host like lunchtime activities mm -hmm. just to keep practicing that, and then that eventually got me more and more practiced. Uh, me and my friend started a DJ company where we'll host like weddings and and we actually ended up coming back after I graduated high school to DJ for for our high school too and just being able to practice and talk. Yep. Right? And I, I think putting that pressure on myself, it's it's a really great perspective that you brought up and I didn't even know that that you know anti-fragility would be the term mm -hmm. for that. Like Kanye West says best, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. In the abridged version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he actually got that from Daft Punk. <laughs> well, you have your own version now, and, yeah. and I think you, you definitely can explain it more, and I think that'll definitely help, especially the listeners, to uncover you know the different types of scenarios they may be getting themselves into, especially if they are looking for an entrepreneurial pursuit, knowing that it is definitely hard work, but like you said, it, it's going to make you smarter, it's going to make you stronger, mm -hmm. um, as long as you overcome, right? Yep. As long as you don't break, aka maybe quit right yeah. terminal errors is the only way if you have a terminal error then you're done systems shut down mm -hmm. if you avoid all terminal errors and never quit and you keep improving you'll succeed yeah so then in terms of terminal errors i would say the obstacles that come with building out a business are obviously part of the equation right as you go through like what are some obstacles that you and your team have faced i think you guys have <coughs> been around for almost two years now mm -hmm. So like, you know, for you guys to, for you to, you know, drop out of college, start a few businesses and then decide on growing, you know, Tenzo T as a brand um, and to get this to, to this point has been very impressive. Right. But obviously you must have faced obstacles along that. Mm -hmm. So like what, what have you guys done and how did you guys over, overcome them? Yeah. I mean, the first one was like when you're just starting a company, you don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so you have to figure that out. And the first question is like, where do you get information from? How do you set up an e-commerce store? How mm -hmm. do you sell someone? Like, well, what is Facebook? I remember, we didn't even we didn't even know Facebook ads were a thing for like four months. Yeah. <laughs> and then we we're like, holy shnikes, you can sell product through Facebook. This is crazy. Yeah. You know. And so I think the first challenge was like just learning and getting the right information, being able to figure out what's important and what's not. It's really really important in the beginning. That came through a lot of learning and a lot of talking with people. I think like just even the fact that we met, like going to Stack and Growth and meeting other digital marketers and people that own companies and saying, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, that was really helpful in overcoming the kind of learning portion of it. And then that's continued on and manifested itself in like a number of ways more recently. Um, but like one of them was we're a food and beverage product. So... Mm -hmm. If someone gets sick drinking our product, um, there's a decent chance that we're liable for that mm -hmm. or someone is on, in our supply chain. And so we have to have really good tracking to figure that out and we have all that set up. But the FDA does routine audits and mm -hmm. we went through a routine FDA audit like yeah. two months ago. And I know you, and you just told me that you, <sighs> you guys had a pretty good results coming from that. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, so we got this email, and, like, we go through this back-and-forth game. They're coming in eventually at 10 a.m. on, like, a Friday, and we built out, like, 250 pages of this quality manual foreign supplier verification program. And um, 
in like three days. Wrote it all super fast, organized all the documents. Had it. it turned out we had like everything we needed. We just needed to like put it in a in a binder and write it all in like uh, legal terms according to the code of federal regulations. Yeah. And so we did that. You can see how happy to show you. It's over there. <laughs> and then um, we did like four hours of questioning with this guy. And we passed with flying colors, and we were like, the, we were the first company he's ever said that he didn't have to give a warning or a write up to. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't even know how to leave. I, well, I guess I gotta shake your hand and walk out. Yeah. No warning. He's like, usually I'm writing a ticket yeah, or some yeah. type of report or as an offense, but for you guys, I mean, that, that's just a test of like you guys doing really good work here uh, in terms of the quality of the product being as high grade as possible, and yep. even in within your internal process of you know abiding by the FDA and and making sure you guys are passing with flying colors, right? Yep. Which, you know, to me, like you mentioned, like, I guess the, the perception of you dropping out of college meant like you're a bad student, you're getting bad grades, but for you, it's really like, you have this work ethic that is, is on another level, right? And you are trying to achieve the highest grade possible within yourself and your work that you do, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to involve with things that you don't even want to do, right? Like yep. whether it's school. I think a few weeks ago, you had posted a story on your Instagram about knocking out, I think around 40, 41 goals. Like 60 um, plus. Well, I, I think you started at 40 yeah, and then yeah. you bumped it up to 60, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and because I was, I was watching it throughout the night and um, you had four, like 40 tasks at that point and I think you were gonna try to finish that, um, basically just finish it no matter what. Yep. Right, so like you mentioned, it did increase to 60 and I remember you finishing at 4 a.m., right? Like, so I, I read a lot as well, right? And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and tell you, just like, oh, yeah, just at least finish, like, you know, your two, three most important things, and then and then you're fine, right? Or just, you know, take your task list, and then if you don't finish it, you know, just push it off into the next day, right? So how do you mentally decide, like, yeah, 60 things on my list I need to get done as a priority, um, you know, without fatigue, yeah. to just knock it out of the park no matter what? Yeah, so... That is a great question, um, and I don't do that like all the time. Mm -hmm. It definitely happens frequently, though. And um, what happens is I am like uh, extreme about prioritization, just mm -hmm. like you mentioned. And so I batch tasks. I go through a lot of prioritizing. I set very quick time like timelines and deadlines. And then I like to literally time myself. So I'll have a timer ticking when I start a project. And so then it's like go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Define like the level of quality you want to hit. Yeah. Hit that as fast as you can. You know, and like literally there's a timer on it. So there's a lot of pressure there. So I did that. I had all 60 tasks and then I rewrote them down and I put numbers on them, one through 60 or one through 40. And then as tasks came up, I popped them into the prioritizing. And then there, I always keep my to-do list prioritized, like rank and file, most mm -hmm. important, all the way down. And it's like like what you said too, you want to get the top two, three done. So you can't do number 40 until you do one, two, three, four, up to mm -hmm. 39. So that's what I did, and then, but it just got to the point where I had like 30, 10 to 15 minute tasks, you yeah. know? So then I was like, I can't just let these like, I don't like things sitting, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just chopped them all up. Yeah, and I think mentally, especially how, you know, most, most people who grow up, you know, you get directions from your parents, your teachers, um, and then like I'll, I'll pull all-nighters during school, right? And that's just because I procrastinated on writing a paper, yeah. right? And then that is the pressure that I put on myself, saying, oh, it is due tomorrow, otherwise I'm gonna get a bad No, day. yeah, mine is just like a willful like execution of yeah. the work. Because for you then, it, the idea like, it, because this is my business, my livelihood, I am putting all, you yep. know, all that 
pressure. Yeah, I also so. love to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> when I do, I like learn so much. You consider yourself a workaholic or not? I wouldn't even say I'm a workaholic. I just think, because I like, I use the word work and it means like time that I spend like going on walks. Because mm-hmm. th- I, th- I like thinking about like, like tend to or. Yeah, and last time I visited, you were like, hey, let's just go for a walk instead of just sitting down and, and having a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I, I consider that stuff working. I consider like me like you like work. I, what I don't do is I don't consider like playing a game of darts working you mm-hmm. know, or like watching TV. But, but I don't really do those things. Do you have what I guess people consider as stress relievers that you do or? No, I just read a lot. You, you'd say that? I read you. and I write. Yeah. I write a ton. My grammar is like getting close to a hundred thousand words a week. Yeah, and uh, I do at least five hundred words a day in my journal, handwritten, and I'm getting closer to a thousand words a day there. Oh wow! And I personally don't know when I'm releasing this, but you know, I think as a, a week ago you became a, a Forbes writer or contributor. Yep. Um, which is impressive. Yeah, that was crazy. Itself. A lot of writing goes on to get that too. Um, were you always a talented writer, or this is something that? You know, like for me, I wanted to speak better, so I you know put myself in scenarios, and then for you, it's let me just write something every day. Yeah, yeah. So I see writing as just like a very foundational skill mm-hmm. um, that affects a lot of what you do and how your ideas are perceived and disseminated. And I just think it's uh, like absolutely critical. Yeah. Every single person that I look up to writes a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a staple in their life. So I've always kind of just done that. I I also like it a lot. It helps me think through things. Especially if you just write it out. You can be so creative if you're just like flowing. And it's like a lot of people just miss those flow states or they don't like utilize them. And then sometimes I get home and it's like 9 p.m. And like I'll just have like one like idea. And then like, oh, I'm in like, I'm like, you're a little bit tired, you know. But then it's just like, ding, and then I can just like fly until my hand hurts. Yeah. Would you say there's a big difference in writing it down versus just typing it somewhere or typing on your phone? Yeah, so I have been doing notebooks for a long time. I have like my last 15 dating back since I was 18. I love it, it's super <laughs> cool. And like people are like, oh yeah, you'll, you'll never lose a Google Doc, you know? And that's fine, that's true. Like maybe, like Google obviously could, like something serious could happen, but I doubt that <laughs> it, could, it could, yeah. yeah I doubt There's it, always a chance. Yeah, the cloud, what is the cloud? Yeah. All the server farms get bombed or yeah, something. Exactly. Oh my God, that would be a terrible day. <laughs> Humanity, go through rebuilding phase. Anyway. Um, no, but I like writing. Um, it keeps me organized, and I like having all my notebooks stacked, and I can easily go back and reference things. Mm-hmm. It's honestly hilarious to look back at College Steve's startup ideas. Yeah. They're so funny and you, bad. You, were, you, were you always coming up with a jillion ideas before you even executed on, on a few of them? Yeah, yeah. So that was like, the first thing I did. I was like, iterate on the idea, right? Mm-hmm. And um, James Altucher, this guy I used to be into, he has this thing about like how to create great ideas and it all started with just writing 10 a day. Mm-hmm. I have like all my OG 10s. Yeah. It's just like, they're so bad. Yeah. So would you say um, part of that as, as your journey through college and, you know, writing down your 10 ideas, starting, you know, the, the print delivery business and all, all of your other pursuits where that is what got you the more confidence in launching, you know, Tenzo T. Yeah, business. definitely. And dropping out too. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I left school with threats and risks and tried to be as aware of those as I possibly could. But in the end, I was confident in myself. And I just believed I'm a fucking cockroach. So I can survive on potatoes for months. 
You know, it's like, like Matt Damon, you basically put yourself on Mars and yeah, it's like you cannot, you cannot kill me. <laughs> and I want to compete. I'm in the ring. I'm willing to get bloodied and scarred. Yeah. And I'm ready to fight. You don't mind getting your hands dirty? Not at all. Yeah. The odd job, bros, I literally clean it, clean toilets for people sometimes. Really? Dude, it's hardcore. Fifteen dollars an hour. A few nineteen-year-old boys. Just cleaning, cleaning, cleaning toilets. Cleaning toilets. Yeah. Made 20K in six weeks, though. That was pretty good. Wow. And cash. We, just, we, were, we were just like cat racked out. Dude, it, was, it was honestly pretty cool. First time I'd ever been exposed to money. So I, I think that's something that a lot of people just aren't willing to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they aren't willing to make any sacrifices. This is something that I discussed on another podcast where, um, like, if you really wanted something, you sacrifice your job and, you know, yep. go work as a bartender, work as an Uber driver just to get yourself by in order to continue yep. to allocate more time towards working or working towards your dream. Yep. Right. It's, it's very impressive uh, in terms of what you've done. And I think that's something that I admire about you is, is your work ethic, you know, really is, is what it comes down to and, you know, how you guys are, are building a brand. I'd love for you to share like how you guys are building a brand because that in itself, I think is what is necessary to differentiate you know yourself as a match company yep. as opposed to the other ones that already do exist you guys are pretty much dominating the market down here in southern california yep. like so what are you guys doing differently um well i think a lot of the branding it comes back to like what i like to call like the core reason and principles of why you started the company mm-hmm. um for us it tends to like i mentioned in the beginning it's really to put ourselves in a position to give more um rob and i aren't trying to make a million dollars like that's mm-hmm. not the goal if i wanted to make a million dollars i'd start drop shipping jewelry off. you know it's easy to make a million dollars yep. we have friends who do that today yeah right? so many of them we have friends who are like 16 that are making a million dollars a fucking month <laughs> these guys are crazy you know and it's like that that wasn't our goal and we wanted to play the long game and we've taken every step possible to do that and spending a lot of time finding a great product and making sure we're learning and going through all the proper steps and doing omni channels and things like that yeah and so i guess like <laughs> our core value is to give. And so all we really need to do is keep putting ourselves in a position to do that. And that comes across through branding at like every single touch point, mm-hmm. um, literally from SEO and the messaging when the customer like first gets exposed here through word of mouth, all the way to your packaging and your emails and how we as founders and the employees interact with people on a day-to-day basis. Um, as we expand into food service now, we have like close to 300 locations in LA, mm-hmm. um, which is it's getting pretty dense. Like there's a lot of people drinking Tenzo every single day, which is super exciting. Um, and so we work really hard to make sure that people know they're drinking Tenzo. Yeah. Um, so it's on the menu in cafes, we're doing branding, we're doing events. Mm-hmm. Um, we're out like literally going to events as well, um, hosting and just kind of putting the brand forward. Yeah. Um, doing podcasts mm-hmm. with our friends like this. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it was really funny because I mean, I, I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job regarding your marketing efforts because I was at a random coffee shop in Chinatown down in LA and I was getting coffee and right there, the barista had your guys' sticker on the matcha container, yep. right? And I was like, oh, you guys are um, serving Tenzo tea? And he's like, yeah, those guys are really cool. Yeah. And so I just, you know, by yes. that, they already recognize you Love guys. it. <laughs> I did, yeah, I didn't even yeah, tell, yeah. tell you guys that story yet. It's just great to what you guys, what you guys are doing. Yeah, um, it's fun. Is there anything else you'd like to share, you know, with, with the listeners on, in terms of, you know, your business or just life in general, like something you want to, as a takeaway? I would just say that 
the most important thing is to never give up. Yeah. But I mean, what, how do you know, you know, the whole insanity, you know, portion of like, if you're yeah, doing so something and it's not ever make the, So the rule is to never quit, like be resolute in your end goal and fluid in your approach. Never quit on your end goal. So if you want to build a, let's just say, just start out with a goal, just build a company mm-hmm. and test out as many different things as you can and just keep going. Yeah. So it's, it's not that um, you can quit on a product, for instance, if it's just not doing well or the margins aren't there, but your end goal that you shouldn't quit yeah, on is building the business. It depends like where it falls in like the hierarchy or the tree, you mm-hmm. know, if it's the top thing in the tree and that's okay. And then like how it branches down, how you get there, it's mm-hmm. different, you know? Yeah. So we wanted to give, we want to build a company that puts us in that position. Do that when, at a large scale when you create a big company. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for sharing your time and your knowledge on the Y Factor podcast. It was phenomenal learning about your experience and, and having you on here. So nice. Thank Thanks for having me. Yeah. Many more matcha shots to come. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening in. Steve and his team are very gracious to have you guys listen in to his story and his business. We are giving you guys a Y Factor exclusive discount. The promo code is simply YFACTOR. That'll get you guys 20% off for your first time purchase or 50% off for your first time subscription month. So go on to their website at tenzot.co and apply that promo code and have fun. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening until the very end. You can find more information about my guest on the website at whyfactorpodcast.com. I'll provide any links and promo codes that were mentioned in the interview. A full transcription of the interview is also available on the website. Share with your friends and tune in next time for another episode of The Y Factor.